Welcome back to Reclaimed Soul. I'm your host, Ayana Contreras. And up next is my conversation with guitarists and arranger and just all around nice guy, Jeff Parker. His latest record is called Max Brown After His Mother because he's such a nice guy. But I wanted to start out the conversation talking about really the beginning of his career. And it started right here in Chicago. I'm actually super excited because I'm a big, I don't know if the word is fan of yours, but I respect your art. I think you are a really versatile, exciting musician. Probably one of the most exciting to come out of Chicago in, I don't know, decades, you know, in that group of people. Oh, man. Um, but it's so, Thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> No, it's absolutely true. You know, and but it's funny because you're not even really originally from Chicago, right? Uh, that's correct. Yeah, I um I was born in Bridgeport, Connecticut, and but I grew up in Hampton, Virginia. So what brought you to Chicago in the first place? You know, I finished jazz school, went to Berkeley, and kind of the thing to do was to move to New York City. I don't know. I mean, I was in my early 20s and kind of didn't really know what I wanted to do. I mean, I had more ideas about things that I didn't want to do. Um, and I kind of felt like I wasn't ready to move to New York City. So I uh, I got offered a job at Tower Records. They were opening a store in Chicago. I moved to Chicago, you know. It was in 1991. It was, you know, supposed to be temporary. I mean, I didn't think I'd be there more than a couple of years, but just kind of got vacuumed up into the scene and uh, ended up staying. And that's almost an understatement because it seems as though you became ultimately a staple in the scene. And when I say the scene, it's kind of funny because you're, you're kind of simultaneously a staple in multiple little sub-scenes within the larger Chicago music scene. And it's interesting, that's not really a question, it's more like a statement, <laughs> but it's interesting for me because some of these scenes, they almost don't seem connected except by you. Does that make sense? Like, you're the connective tissue. Oh, wow. I mean, I, I moved, really did move to the city kind of blindly. I mean, I kind of barely knew what the AACM was. You know, I didn't really know any Chicago music. But then when I got there, I mean, it was so rich. Like, there was so much contemporary musical tradition in Chicago, you know, from the origins of jazz. Electronic music, house music, Everything was there and it was really exciting. Met so many people and everybody was like so passionate about what they were doing. That would make me interested in different things. Yeah. And I think that that's interesting because you mentioned all these different genres, for lack of a better term. 
and all of them really are folded into your work and even specifically this new album this max brown album i feel like every single thing you mentioned is in this album <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah just trying to make sense of all that stuff i mean i love records listening to records is kind of what got me to interested in playing music my father had a record collection and uh you know i'd put on headphones and listen to his records just the whole experience that is kind of what led me into playing. Not making a very clear point here. <laughs> but, but my records are me kind of exploring my interest in records. I'm not thinking about genres. I'm more thinking about like uh, where the record will function for someone who chooses to listen to it. person who plays a lot of records I do I totally get it so let's let's talk about that because I think I've seen some reviews of this album and I tend to not read reviews of albums especially if I'm going to talk to someone who made the album Mm -hmm. because the reviews tend to just be opinions anyway that are based on whatever they're always like oh it's genre blurring it's it's blends genres or it defies genres and it's and I wonder why that's the initial thing that they're reaching for because when I heard it it sounded like there was a lot of ingredients in the album but it does feel like it's of a piece and maybe it's because I know you and I know where you're coming from musically and so it just it makes perfect sense to me it sounds very sensible oh thanks um (laughs) but then I'm also thinking about what you just said in terms of you're making it almost listener focused and thinking about how a listener might engage with this album. I know you made this album a minute ago, like you didn't just make it, um, but it still feels like something that people really need right now. It's a very thoughtful record. It makes you sit and and ponder if that makes sense. Uh, it stands up to repeated listening. I've really gotten a lot out of it. How do you imagine listeners interfacing with it, especially like right now? Uh, I hope that people can kind of find their way with it, you know? I'm really like trying to, uh, for lack of a better term, make a vibe for people to get into, you know. 
I mean, I listen to music all the time. Not in the kind of uh, Pauline Oliveros, like, deep listening way where you kind of, like, sit down in front of speakers and, like, engage with it in that way. But I have music on in my house, especially now, kind of all the time. I put it on, you know, while I'm, like, cleaning. I listen really passively. I don't, I'm definitely not ashamed to make music that functions in that way. Because I think music, it can enhance your environment. I mean, some musicians are kind of put off by that. But I've, I've never been. thing is I want people to kind of uh, find their way into my musical space like I try and invite people into it you know himself right here in Chicago in groups like Tortoise and as a member of the free jazz uh, group, the AACM. This is going to sound completely unrelated, but it's not. Do you like Freddie Robinson? How do you feel about Freddie oh, Robinson? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just got, uh, man, uh, I just got a couple of his records. Yeah. I only I don't know the name of it. It's like a kind of sky blue cover. And, and he's got yeah. the guitar and it's like at a yep, weird angle. Like a, uh The Coming Atlantis. Yeah, yeah, that one is yeah, so good. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god, right? That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, album. he's amazing. I had never right. heard of him and I I was in uh is actually when we did Micaiah's Red Bull Round Robin thing like a couple years uh-huh. ago at Talia Hall. Right. which is right across from 606 Records. And right. I was in there, and I I saw that record, and I was like, man, that's a dope album cover. And I just, like, picked it, it up and just bought it, you know, just because it looked great. <laughs> and then yeah. took it home, and I was like, oh, yeah, man. You know what's interesting about that album is that, you know, Freddie – was like Chicago based and um, he moved out of Chicago ultimately, but worked with a guy named Mike Higgins, who also at that time was in Chicago, but moved to LA. Monk Higgins. So he did a lot of yeah, Monk yeah. Higgins. I got uh, yeah. some singles of his. 
Anyway, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Speaking of this, I've discovered following you on Instagram that we have some Venn diagram similarities in terms of records that we collect, which is kind of cool. Yeah. I saw you talking about that Miracles album. You talk about arrangements, right? Like that album is bananas. Yeah. The Renaissance yeah. album is the one that you're talking about. You got me up so high. My shoes are scraping the sky. And yet you have nerve to ask me. I actually went out as soon as I immediately got that uh, Do It Baby, and that's been on the turntable, like, the whole time. That record is crazy. Right, you were talking about Renaissance, which has all these, you know, beautiful songs on it. I think I Love You Secretly is probably my favorite, mm. favorite. I got that record. Okay, so I went to college at Western Illinois, and they had a record store, and they were getting rid of all their vinyl, and they were selling all their vinyl for 50 cents a piece. Wow. That was bad news. Right, exactly. So I bought, like, everything I could for, like, $200, and I'm, like, walking oh, home. Oh, man. Wow. <laughs> holding all these records. Somebody finally gave me a ride, but it was, like, insane amount of yeah. records, like, that I was kind of kicking down the street. Wow. But that was one of them. Yeah. I had known that single. But the rest of it, right. that arranger, Freddie Perrin. I, Outrageous. Oh man, incredible. stuff i miss i mean i man i wish people still were able to make records like that you know just with that aesthetic that ambition you know i mean just some of the instrumentation on that it's like flutes and oboes like blended with like monophonic synthesizers and you know clavinets and acoustic piano electric piano strings and then like you know five piece vocal group like in the 
everything just like so beautiful and blending together and like I mean that those rec they're really expensive to make you know that's what I always say I'm always like that sounds really yeah. expensive <laughs> I mean that's why people don't make records like that now I mean that's kind of the <laughs> that's the bottom line but and the irony is now you have unlimited tracks yeah. you know back then you were lucky if you had 24 yeah. tracks to work with to fu- fit all that yeah. in you know yeah, yeah me but. and Paul Bryan we're just uh, that's my uh, co-conspirator on yeah this album. he mixed it the whole thing uh, and he's like my you know we work together on a lot of projects but I t- hip Tim that I was like you gotta hear this record man and he immediately he went and listened, and we like kind of both geeked out over everything about it. And that was one thing that he mentioned. You know, he was like, "They only had twenty four tracks, man." one of my favorite uh i mean i like to listen to music probably more than i like to play it actually (laughs) and the records i make i'm just trying to make music that i want to listen to you know it's like if i would had you know what's a record that i want to hear you know and i try and make it playing though obviously you're very good at a number of instruments but your guitar playing I don't understand I don't understand it it's it it boggles me how good you are and that sounds oh. silly but you are able to put so much feeling into what you're playing it's very I don't want to say it's emotional but it's like really like meditative oh man thank you Thank you. 
playing a long time. I mean, I started guitar when I was nine. So I've been playing, what, 43 years? And I just always wanted to have a nice sound, you know? That was always my thing. I never had a very easy technique, but I was never like a clean kind of a virtuosic kind of player. Like a... George yeah, Benson no, type. I could never play like fast, like like effortless sounding like that. For me, it was always really hard. I kind of struggled with a. Uh, thinking that that's how I was supposed to play and kind of not being able to do it and always being frustrated. But then I kind of, as I got older and more comfortable in my own skin, I just kind of uh, realized that I was more attracted to musicians who sounded like they were looking for something and who had a nice sound and played with like soul and feeling and weren't virtuosos in kind of the expected way you know and I I love blues you know I mean I love the blues so uh, I just try and get some of that feeling in, in whatever I'm doing I love your guitar work in general. I, I love the way you sound on this record. I love the way it's mixed. It's got enough of that feel. You know how sometimes new records sound a little too clean oh man yeah I, that drives me crazy right yeah. <laughs> it's like what is going on can you dirty that up a little bit please but this is just a perfect sounding record oh thank you but so much you're very welcome but the the piece de resistance for me although i i really do love the album build a nest i feel like that was the perfect first track in so many ways i love that and it's got your daughter singing. yeah yeah is yeah, that right that's, that's my daughter ruby God, that's an incredible song. Thank you. I mean, we've been making music since she was a little kid. Started it with Build a Nest because, you know, I ended this the last album with the tune that she sings on. So for the new one, I began it with the song that she sings on. So it's kind of connects the two albums. Like 
you know, I mean, the new breed, it kind of became this project, a project that explores my interest in sampling and hip-hop production. kind of trying to mix it with like a ranger's ear toward the whole thing i mean i felt like i had to make a follow-up to the new breed so i used pretty much almost all the same people and added a few uh, new people and i kind of used the same technique whereas the new breed it was more about me kind of mixing all of that stuff with more improvising it's a pretty conceptual album I would say. Like, I kind of put some parameters on what I would let myself do, and thankfully it came out pretty well. this the new album I was more into like playing like longer loops and kind of letting things go for a long time more kind of droney stuff a little bit of my conversation with Jeff Parker. Here's a little bit more music from his latest release called Sweet for Max Brown, released on International Anthem Records. <laughs> 